0: Welcome to another episode of the Survive or Thrive podcast series sponsored by Bodyboard King. Huge thank you to Toby Player and the gang for supporting the podcast yet again. This episode features Jared Houston, two-time world champion, all-round champion, you could say. Uh, sat down with Jared over Skype and it's a relatively poor Skype connection, so apologies for some of the glitches that come through. But nevertheless, we battled through, had a great chat about his experience d- during the pandemic and some of the things he learned. Did he survive or did he thrive? Well, you will have to listen to find out. Enjoy and thanks again for the support by Bodyboard
1: King. love love
0: a very special welcome to the Survive or Thrive 2020 podcast edition by La to Jared Houston.
1: How's it, Josh?
0: I'm good. I'm actually sick myself at the moment. I um, I'm just surviving myself. Uh, I had my little COVID test yesterday because i did come down with flu-like symptoms uh-huh. and um i got the all clear so i've just got your typical flu um nothing nice. to get too excited about so i'm um a little bit croaky my radio voice is probably not as good as it could be
1: you sound gruff and manly bro
0: <laughs> well that's a that's a compliment i'll take that how are things for you you're uh, in puerto rico
1: yeah, I'm in mean, Puerto Rico. Uh, things are good, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually had uh, COVID over Christmas. Uh
0: uh-huh.
1: um, it, it was a trip. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, you I know, actually ended up canning um, all the cool plans I had for the beginning of the year, which okay. was going to go, go going home to South Africa for the first time in like five years. Oh wow! And um, but. It actually ended up being a blessing in disguise because right, pretty much right after I found out I had it and had to change tickets and that kind of stuff, the airline that I was flying with canceled the route oh. to South Africa. Then that country, uh, United Arab Emirates, banned hmm. South Africans or people in South Africa from transferring through there. Wow! And then on, and then on top of that, the new US president placed a ban on people who transited or been in South Africa in the past fourteen days from entering the United States. Wow. So it ended up saving me a massive ball egg
0: yeah. and
1: a lot and a lot of money. So it yeah. ended up being a, a blessing in disguise.
0: Mm. How have your symptoms been? Have you been? You know, they say that a lot of younger folk—I'll put you in the younger folk category—we um, nice. don't—we don't really get—we don't really get too many adverse reactions to it. Or how's your experience been with the with the virus? What's your What's your take on it?
1: Um. Yeah, definitely sucked.
0: Yeah. Just, right. It's
1: definitely something. I, yeah, that I wouldn't want to have again. Um, it was it was a pretty slow process. Like I think you know the exposure period was right over Christmas, mm-hmm. and um, Natasha Natasha seemed to come down with it first, and then um, I actually only found out that I you know, actually only was able to confirm. I mean I confirmed I went to the test because yep. I w- was supposed to have a test to go to South Africa. So uh-huh. I went to the test, came I positive, and that's where we were like okay, cool, we all had it. Basically, I mean assumed that they had it too. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, symptoms were pretty much, uh, yeah, like headache, um, body aches, uh, pretty high temperature, at least for like a day or two. Um, mm. But then definitely the worst part of it was like the come down. Um, uh uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, you know, it, it took it, it took it, you know, I was feeling, not, definitely didn't feel like myself for a good three weeks afterwards. After symptoms ended, wow. Uh, I felt super weak and just um, pretty depressed. Like, uh huh. Couple of people I've spoken to actually concurred with me that they actually felt like depression was a somewhat of an overlooked symptom of the okay. of the virus. Um, pretty interesting, actually. Like, I mean, one could discuss whether or not that's like a product of the social view that's attached mm. to water or yeah, exactly. just something that that actually happens to you. Um, yeah, from a biological standpoint, but I mean, yeah, that was that. The t- loss of taste and smell was definitely, you know, that sucked. You know, it took me around for quite a while. Couldn't smell anything. Couldn't taste, couldn't anything, taste. anything. Like coffee. Wow. just drink, drinking hot liquor in the morning into the coffee. You know. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I felt like shit, the first few times I surfed, man, like felt like absolute, absolute dog's balls. Like, yeah, you know, surfed <laughs> like twenty, surfed like twenty minutes. Felt like super tired fatigued. Yeah. Which I guess, you know, to be honest, anytime I've been sick throughout my life, I've kind of felt the same. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, you know, it wasn't nice, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, but we're here, we're here, feeling super lucky to, you know, have been on the light side of it, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, well, it's good to hear that you've um, gotten through it, because, I mean, there has been some recent images popping up of you on the socials of some big, pretty big swell in Puerto Rico, and you clearly look like you've got your energy back.
1: Yeah, definitely kind of felt like really, that was kind of the test. It's kind of like a baptism of fire. Like I was just trying to surf and then that uh-huh. swell popped up in their eyes and I was like, oh my God, like, am I, am I going to be able to surf this? Because yeah. I mean, it's not like it's, you know, it's not like the, the giant, like 40 feet, but it's, you know, surfing here, you know, it's 30 degrees outside, it's 30 degrees in the water, mm. um, you know, the waves are heavy, uh, there's a lot of paddling involved, a lot of current, yeah. a lot of people so it's pretty it's a pretty high intensity environment you know maybe kind of comparable to hawaii in that kind of way so yeah yeah it was definitely good to good to get, get going.
0: okay well good to hear that you're on the mend um let's dive into a couple of these questions that i've thrown at you for this special podcast edition um, you, you know, you, you would agree that 2020 was a unique year in our lifetimes. There's really been none other like it. Um, <laughs> do you feel that on the balance, if you look back on the year that was, did you survive it, like just kind of get through it, or did you actually find a way to thrive within that context?
1: Um, I think you know, like the fairest thing to say, although you'll probably hate it, is just a bit of both. Uh, sure. in that like I feel like I, su- I feel like I survived in that we got through it. Um, like we lit- we quite literally survived it. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of people weren't so lucky. Um, first of all. Second of all, like we really didn't have too much to complain about. You know, I can't really complain too much. Yeah, it was super weird. Um yes, I'm not necessarily in agreement with the way it's been handled, all this kind yeah. of stuff. That's a whole nother subject. But in general, I think that we had an Twenty twenty was an awesome year, you know. I okay. I actually decided to start to not do the turn twenty twenty. Yeah. To my benefit, there was there was no turn 2020, <laughs> exactly. So I was gonna say I
0: didn't foregone conclusion. I didn't have to. I,
1: I didn't have to do and didn't have to have any FOMO, which is great. Exactly. Um, it was super cool to be able to spend. It was the first time in ten years, more than a decade, that I've spent longer than three months, three or four months in the same place. Yeah. Um, so it was awesome to have an entire year at home my family. Um, it brought with a lot of challenges, but in terms of like, you know, like our camps, we had a great year with the camps. We had a great yeah. year with our Airbnb. Yeah. Uh, my wife, Natasha, had worked with the university throughout the whole year, um, giving yeah. classes online here through the from the house. We've been homeschooling boys. so we got to spend a lot of time. So I would definitely say we survived it in terms of our health and we thrived in terms of like having an awesome year together as a family
0: okay um do you and that's really cool to hear and i think it's great that you can have the two um what has the more broader situation been in puerto rico for the for those of us who haven't really paid that much attention to what might have been happening there specifically um as opposed to the u.s because we hear a lot about the u.s mainland on the news and of course you know there's been a lot of news out of the u.s mainland with the elections and the way that the pandemic was handled and then you can also bring in the Black Lives Matter protests, which really kind of, you know, took off in a big way in 2020. I mean, how did yeah. little, little old Puerto Rico do during all of that?
1: Well, I mean, Puerto Rico kind of just gets taken along to the ride in whatever happens in the United States, you know? It's a, yeah. You know, it's a full-on colony. Mm. Um, and so the situation here was, one could say, quite tense. Uh-huh. Um you know, a lot of people people aren't very well financially as it is, um, yeah. And then you couple that with like all the people losing their jobs, the months of lockdowns, the yes. this and that, the restrictions for this, restrictions for that, the hospital system sucks nuts as it is, and yeah. it was even worse now. So you know, kind of like at times, I definitely felt like the world is literally falling to pieces around us,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, specifically is. A relatively isolated, away part of Puerto Rico, where um, you know you just—if I can pretty much exist here as if the world wasn't existing around us. You know, it mm-hmm. maybe sounds like very idealistic or whatnot, but it sometimes quite literally feels that way. But the situation in Puerto Rico has definitely been hard. You know, a lot of people have been hit really hard. A lot of people lost their incomes. A lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their lives. Um, it's been yeah, it's been a definitely been a challenging year, which is why I would say that, you know, no complaints here from, from us because we uh, amongst all the chaos were able to be pretty healthy and safe.
0: Yeah, well that's that's really good. That's really good. I mean what, what kind of death rate did you have there though? Like, was it like a lot of people dying in Puerto Rico from the from COVID? Um
1: I mean, not. I mean, it's not. Doesn't compare with like the U.S. mainland, or anything. But I mean, I think that. I think I. Don't, I don't want to go and throw out a crazy um, lie here, but I don't think it's reached
0: ten
1: thousand. Okay. Um, but I mean, which is still. Level, right? But I mean, yeah, you know, it's not like freaking half half a million, like you know, states like, Obviously, yeah, the population yeah. is completely different. But yeah, it's been. I don't know, bro. It's one of those things where I see all these numbers getting published. To um, so be I haven't really, like I said, I haven't really followed it too keenly in terms of the actual numbers. But I will say that you know, Puerto Rico has been affected a lot more than many other island nations. Because of our political situation, our uh, political and um, situation, in that the airport was always open, there was never any uh-huh. control about yeah, it coming- right. was coming in and out because be- because it's federally con- it's federally controlled. Yep. So um, yes, the infection rate here was sky high. It's one of the highest rates of, of uh, infection in the entire US. So yeah. the, you know it's definitely a situation here, but at the same time. Uh, culturally, you know, Puerto Rico has like a stark contrast. You know, there's people that are like, extremely terrified and mm. very fanatical about everything. You know, people with like six masks on and freaking face yeah. things on and like bomb, bomb suits to go in the supermarket. And there's people that are like, <laughs> um, you know, drinking in like crowded bars. and stuff.
0: Just, um, looks like the internet's dying on us. Are you still there?
1: Yeah, yeah, bro.
0: Okay, it's a bit hot and cold, but we'll persist through it. Um, <clears throat> with um, By the sounds of things, though, that kind of open border at the airport there must have been, that's obviously where the infections were just streaming in. I mean, at the same time, you mentioned that your surf camps had a good year, and so did your Airbnb, and I'm guessing that these were mainlanders who were coming across to get away from it all a bit, right? So you kind of, whilst it was bringing the infections in, it was also probably bringing in your business to keep you going, right?
1: hundred percent. I mean, like we, you know, from the beginning adhered very strictly to what people were, what the government organizations here were asking for and that we, uh, you know, we asked for negative COVID certificates for everyone who came, uh-huh. yeah. uh, all our guests, all our guests presented native COVID certificates, both for like rental and for camp. So in terms of like the actual infection, I definitely think that that does happen. But I don't think, I think that, you know, the community transmission, once that, once that Paris fight here, the community transmission here was just, you know, off the charts. It was, uh, you know, I don't think that it's something that people can just solely blame on the airport. I think that that did play a part in it getting here and yeah. and keeping steady. But it's definitely, you know, people love to put the blame solely on the airport, but you know, it's a virus, it's going to propagate, you know, when yeah. once it's in it, once it's somewhere and there's not any kind of like strict control measure to control it, wherever it is, it's going yeah. to propagate no matter what. Yeah. So that's just the way it is, you know? So yeah. like, I mean, yeah, we did benefit from that, from that, uh, clause. Um, mm. and a lot of people did, you know, and it's also important, like otherwise the, you know, if the, if the tourism industry tank completely, you yeah. know, Puerto Rico would have been in some pretty big trouble
0: yeah exactly because that, that is its main uh import or export you know it, that's where the money comes from right to sustain the island you could say in the, in the majority of the sense
1: um i mean like definitely the you know the industrial sector here is just huge you know like the okay. america uh, united states when they came in here they put all these like tax incentives for huge conglomerations to come here and put up their operations here so like the pharmaceutical industry, like, you know, 85 or something crazy, like some crazy high number of the pharmaceuticals that people consume, like in the US and to some extent worldwide are produced in Puerto Rico, um, like yeah, right. the, the pharmaceutical uh, trees set up, so, I mean, that's definitely like the hugest part of the economy. But yeah, tourism plays a huge part. And also just. For the everyday layman, you know, there's Airbnb's huge here now, uh, yeah. tour guides, freaking you, you know, serve schools, you know, all this stuff that's growing, uh, definitely relies on people being able to travel.
0: Mm. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. What did you personally find most challenging about 2020? You already mentioned that, um, you'd already made the call not to do the tour, so you weren't really having that fear of missing out with the tour happening and you not being on it. But, I mean, apart from that, what was the, the toughest challenge that you really had to grapple with? Um, and maybe that changed throughout the year. But, you know, maybe just give us an insight into what you have found the most challenging.
1: Um, bro, the most challenging part was uh, definitely, I mean, there were a couple of challenges. The One of the biggest ones was from one day to the next in March, mm. having to become a teacher. Oh. Like... Schools closed, schools closed and are still closed to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, So every single child that goes to school in Puerto Rico is currently uh, being schooled from home. Wow. And um, that was a big challenge. That was a big challenge, man, because, you know, it's definitely like a a blessing, you know, to be able to spend all this time with her, with Poiti. But, um, man. Teaching is not for everyone, bro. <laughs> it is it is it is intense. It is intense. So, and you know so it's not for Professor Houston. Nah, nah bro, like I don't know. Naughty. You know, I definitely need some some it's been a lesson in patience, that's for sure. I've okay. grown a lot. I've grown a lot, but it's been it's been a it's been a, a rough road, that's for sure. This semester we are doing grade. Mm. This semester was was intense it's okay. very intense and like i said you know we have i don't have like a formal work situation where i have to go to work you know so at least yeah. i have the time but you know for so many parents that work full-time they were just screwed mm. so that's been a huge challenge um and another the challenge has been just the social uh stigma i guess of um something the thing i'm disliked most about this pandemic is how it's you know, just cause so much division between people. And um, that's something that I found like very disconcerting, you know, just, just, you know, like you just get people so on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, like especially here in the U S you know, it's not a generally accepted thing that, uh, just take care. You know, there's some people that there's a growing number of people that think it's all bullshit or think that it's, um, you know, biological warfare this and that and then you right. get people that are terrified and doing all they can and then th- when those people clash it's causing this huge divide where you're either on one side you're on the other uh, that's something i don't like it's made me feel like super uncomfortable to have to be navigating that um like uh, just that's you know very uncomfortable uh, society really
0: has that translated into the water, that social difference, or has that been a bit of a safe space where everybody just drops all their stuff on the beach and just enjoys the water still? Or has that been yeah, kind of totally. affected by this social
1: virus? No, 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 no. And the water, in the water it's, you know, no, nah, not even noticeable, you know. It's yeah. always since the beginning. Since the beginning, you know, as soon as we're here in Puerto Rico, we went out of surf for like almost three months. In the beginning it was just and it was just ridiculous you know everyone was just on the same page everyone's like what the hell what what is the point of this you know what mm. what on earth and when when it was so cool like when we were finally out back in the ocean legally i mean obviously a lot of us surf anyway because you yeah. can yeah but uh when we finally out back in the ocean i remember like the first session in may mm. being out at uh Margaro, which is like one of the best waves here and like seeing like 40 people on the water, it's crowded. You know, it's kind of, you know, normally I'd be bummed, but it was so cool to see everyone. Yeah. And it was so cool to see everyone just like hanging out and not being like super awkward around each other. It was great. So I think yeah. the, the ocean's been that, that really cool equalizer there, you know?
0: Mm, I assumed as much. Um, with this. Um... Let's, I want to get back on this teaching challenge because it's, int- it's a very interesting one. I didn't see that coming, to be honest. It was um, straight out of left field for me, so I want to dive in a little bit more into it. I mean, what did you have to do in order to respond to that challenge? You said that it was a lesson in patience, but, you know, how did you grapple with this new role for yourself? Um, you know, because you've as you said, you have no formal qualification to teach, but suddenly you're a teacher. So how, how, did you, how did you get your shit together to do that well?
1: Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I've done it well. <laughs> but, um, but it's, you know, I just had to just adapt, you know, like just suck it up and, and do it. You know, there was just no other option. It wasn't like, it actually when, you know, for the first three months, which was the end of the second semester of 2019, um, which mm. you know here the schools like back to front it goes like freaking August to December and then December to May that's the school right. year it's like super super arbitrary okay. but um, that semester she was at a different school and at that school what they were doing is they are just sending homework uh, basically like sending homework sending us like pages out of a book and then we'd sit there and do it with her so we were kind of okay. like okay, cool they didn't have any time they didn't have any time to repair like that's fine we'll suck it up and then we moved her to a Montessori school because we thought that the Montessori would be able to be presential because they were so small and once we'd already done everything like the whole move signed her up we were informed that no actually this is going to be online too Um, and it was pretty much the same Montessori is not something that teaching philosophy is not like teacher showing a child what to do. It's more like a child being exposed to many different uh, areas of interest and then them gravitating towards what they like and then spending some time getting to know that material, that subject or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah that's what it is, right? Mo- it's, the-
0: it's focused around yeah. the interest, not around the arbitrary knowledge acquisition. It's about directed towards Ex- what the child's already interested in and getting exactly. a head start there, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. So what so did like Powi like
0: find then- interesting? What was her interest?
1: um she was she's like super into math, which is kind of oh, okay. crazy because I'm, i i yeah. like s- i suck at math. i've always been oh, really wow. bad at it and that's been that's been super cool because um she's like enjoying it and so like i've been becoming more mathematically focused you know obviously what she's doing right now is adding and subtracting you know but yeah, um, even even for me, it's been cool because you know for so many years you've just been relying on a calculator or a phone to do your calculations, yeah. and now exactly, yeah, I'm sitting I'm sitting there with her learning timetables and learning like a long division and subtraction and wow. all this kind of stuff, and it's and it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. She's been kind of she's been into that. The school like has a very broader. Uh, uh, cultural studies dynamic to it so a lot of material about like man like she she learned like last semester she did this whole assignment on like the freaking three laws of Newton bro She's oh, like whoa. six so it's, it's been and like obviously I do it in a way that's relatable for a child but super cool for an adult too so it's actually been super enriching but the most difficult part of it's been um, you know like obviously, you're six or seven years old. She's seven now. You know, you're seven years old and you're at home with your parents in the Mm. same place where you live, the beaches across the road Mm. and you have this massive garden outside and, you know, your dad's trying to tell you, hey, you got to do addition subtraction or learn about which way the world spins and you're kind of like, no way. I want to be outside. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not at school. Like I'm living the free life. Like what the, why do you want me to be here sitting here doing this? And so that was like really challenging because that was where, that was where we would clash because, you know, I would feel like I'm taking time out of my day to invest into her. And what she's receiving is going like, man, this guy's just super grumpy trying to get me to do what I want to do. I could be at school. You know, I do this at school. I'm not doing this with my dad or my mom or whatever. And that was really challenging for us to kind of uh, slip into that dynamic and try and reach her in a way that we hadn't necessarily before. So yeah. um, it was, you know, it's been, a, it, it was and still is a big challenge. Like today I had, you know, a small kind blow up and, you know, it's kind of like, it's a daily thing, but definitely I'm, you know, in retrospect and thinking about it right now, uh, it's something I'm super grateful for. To have had the opportunity to do. Did
0: this role as a teacher reveal anything new about yourself? And I mean, it sounds like the whole lesson in patience might be part of that revelation. Like, it, it would would you say that that was the the biggest reveal for you in in terms of your own character and dealing in this with this kind of pandemic
1: context? Patience. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm super, super impatient. <laughs> um, I've got like a very sounds like a very childish way of like dealing with conflict. Uh-huh. I learned that about myself. Like, you uh, you got like a you know. So that's been a growing experience for sure. What do you just throw a bodyboard <laughs> um, in the air
0: and you flippers in one yeah, direction, board yeah. the other? I'm pretty, out. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much,
1: pretty much. You know, so that's been a okay. lesson in conflict conflict resolution. Um, but yeah, patience and also just, you know, uh, I guess the other thing that I always thought that I was just really patient and that nothing really bothered me, you know, that I had a very uh, long fuse. But man, I've, I've thought that about you fuse. for sure.
0: I've, I've definitely thought that about, that about you.
1: Like, oh, you know, bro. I've got the shortest by, fuse ever. ever. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's not what I'd think that. I guess, I guess, like, as well. You know, you kind of, I think that's un- unfortunately sometimes, I think a lot of people don't like to admit this, but when you're around people that you don't necessarily, that aren't necessarily your family or the people mm-hmm. closest to you, yeah. you obviously behave in a way that you want to portray yourself in, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I think that to some extent that was what was happening, you know. And then when I'm here, like, you know, six months in, <laughs> i have fed up and had <laughs> enough, you know. I just, yeah. True colors true colors come out, you know. But that was something that, you know, as, fortunate as it was for a fortunate words for poet, to have to deal with that. That's mm-hmm. something I think that's been healthy to, you know, go through that and deal with that together. Um, we definitely. I mean, we, we've come we've become so much closer. Like right now, yeah. she's just like my biggest little homie ever. Like we're having such a cool time. But it's been yeah. a journey to get to, that's for sure.
0: Okay. That's uh, cool. I mean, the next question that comes up on this list of things to talk about in the Survival Thrive podcast is about kind of pursuing any new hobbies or interests in 2020. But I feel like that's maybe been answered in the fact that you, whilst you didn't pursue the hobby of teaching or the interest of teaching, it has been what you've done. Would you say that that's the main thing that's been new in your life in 2020? Or was there anything else that you took the time to put some, you know, you literally put some time into it that you'd been meaning to over the years? Is there anything else that you kind of stepped into?
1: Not really something that I really invested a lot of time into, you know, as as per a decision that I took and I went ahead and did it, you know. It was kind of more just life just pushed us in a direction where we, we spend so much time at home that, you know, we got to do a couple of things, couple of small things like not nearly as much as what I should have done, but, you know, made some small advancements in the house and the property that things that were lingering for years that we finally got around to doing. Um, and that's still long running project. Uh, definitely the teaching thing was, uh, you know, what I invested the most time into, um, I guess that something else interesting that I learned through the lockdown period was just exactly how much time and thought both like physically and mentally, I dedicated to bodyboarding. Oh. Like when, we when, when we were, when we weren't able to surf for two months, I, like I had all the time in the world like there was nothing absolutely no nothing that I had to do or even really wanted to do other than surf but it was you know quite an eye-opener in that you know sometimes I get to the end of the day and I got like holy shit I did so much today and I think about times when I go for a surf even I go for a two or three hour surf in the morning which doesn't seem like that much I am thinking about the surf since the night before I'm getting up Mm. at 5 a.m. I'm going surfing for three hours. I get back at 10. I'm pretty beat. I'm gonna hydrate because I was surfing. I'm reflecting on my surf. Then I'm like, you know, in contact with a photographer or a video videographer, finding out what we got, and that kind of takes up. By the end of the day, I look, and then I'm thinking, is it gonna go offshore in the afternoon? (laughs) am I gonna go for another (laughs) surf. And by I get to the end of the day, and I realize that all I've actually done today is thought about bodyboarding or gone bodyboarding, and it was quite interesting that during that lockdown period where it was taken away from me by force, Mm. um, how much extra time I had on my hands. And Mm. for us at that time, when it was, everything was still so new and so uncertain, we kind of just really just spent it together, you know, doing things together. Um, but I guess that's one thing that I would say that I, which I could have done differently in 2020, was um, which I guess kind of more that now 2020 is behind us. What are you planning to do with 2021? Is that yeah. this year I'd like to actually use my time a little, a little bit better because I do agree with you. I think you mentioned before we started that 2020, 2021 might be very similar to 2020. And yeah. if it is, which I think it probably will be, I definitely plan on um, really knuckling down and finishing all the stuff we want to do in the house. Um ASAP. That
0: sounds like a plan. Could do well with your um Airbnb listing as well, by the sounds of things. Um, yeah. In those most in the toughest times of twenty twenty, and it's probably when that full lockdown took place. It's it was it was the toughest thing. Like, what was the toughest thing? I'm assuming, given that you've just told me, you know, body, you realised how much time you spent bodyboarding every day which is you know that's cool to hear it's the life of a professional athlete right there like I mean that is what most people assume you do um yeah so you just kind of validated what everyone thought you were up to um (laughs) but what was the toughest thing to deal with in that lockdown period was it the lack of the deprivation from that because I'd assume that must have been pretty hard if you're reflecting on just how much of it you were doing every day
1: yeah, I think the deprivation yeah, the deprivation thing sucked, you know. To be to be totally honest, like I only didn't surf for about three weeks. <laughs> 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 and then and then and, and, and then and then I pretty much was like, um, you know, I would you know, I figured out that the police boat would come around at about seven thirty, helicopter would come around at about eight, so I could <laughs> get up, go go surf from five to five, and get up get out, run up the beach and hide in the bushes while the flew over and then run back home so I kind of worked That's out a little
0: so funny, a, a, a
1: little a little way around it but um, yeah that would that definitely it, it definitely that was tough because you know made me question it. it also something that was really tough about last year made made me question like whether or not you know governments and all these things have our best interests at heart you know uh, mm. that was I Something I found really tough about 2020 and continue to find tough about today is made me question a lot about the things that I once took as certainties. Mm. And that was definitely the toughest thing about the lockdown time, which is that everything was so new then and so scary that, I mean, I actually was shitting myself at the beginning. You know, for yeah. me, it was like, holy crap, like what the hell is happening? Um, you know, I was scared for my daughter, I was scared for my wife, I was scared for my Family in South Africa, and I was like super for the lockdown. You know, I was like 100% like, all right, cool, this is what we're gonna do, let's do it. Like, if we if we lock down now for two months, like the virus can be done. You know, little by little, that like certainty that I had towards that, um, the only thing that I knew for certain went was just diminishing by the day. You know? And I was starting a question, okay, crap, is this really what? was going to happen and then little by little became more and more apparent that this was not going to be over in two months that this was going for more like two years or more yeah um just that whole this the uncertainty of everything was very um new to me you know yeah you, you, you we lived our life just kind of thinking everything was the way it's gonna be for the next, you know, until the day we die and all of a sudden everything changed. So that mm-hmm. that was a hard adaptation to make. You know, and I think for an adult, even more so than for a child, you know, a child has only lived so many years, but we've become so accustomed to so many things that are now not necessarily a guarantee anymore. Mm. Um, that was that was a tough one.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it I just I kind of was just imagining though. Um, you know, you did manage to put out a fair bit of content during twenty twenty from Puerto Rico and it was really good stuff. And I was just thinking, damn, I wish you had to put out the realities of the lockdown and you, you know, hiding in the bushes as the helicopters zoom past. It would have been for some really good dramatic content that everyone would have enjoyed, that's for sure. But
1: Uh, maybe um, the authorities would have have pinned it on you
0: though. You'd never know.
1: Exactly. There's all those reality things to do to you know, there's all that that stuff to deal with, you know, here in in, here in the United States, you know, people are freaking people are not you know like people soup or whatever. And yeah. So you kinda gotta keep a low profile. Yeah, sounds full on. Sounds full on. What do you
0: think that you value more than ever these days after all of this uh, reflecting on 2020? What's the most valuable thing for you?
1: 100% health, 100%. Hmm. Um, you know, it's just, man, just without health, just nothing. I mean, like, I, I, because, because of the whole approach we all took to this, you know, I, I actually didn't get sick once. Within mm. a whole year period, from January to December, yeah. And I always i remember feeling like, "Wow, this is so cool," and thinking, "Wow, this is awesome." You know, we didn't get—I didn't get sick like that. Uh, but really, it was a product of just you know, distancing and you know, washing your hands like a thousand million times, and just taking a kind of yeah. different approach to how I would deal. Like to be honest, right? If before the pandemic, I washed my hands more than ten times in ten years. That was a lot. I would never, <laughs> ever wash my hands. Yeah. Never. Mm. I wash it when I would be in the water or like if I had a shower at night, I would never wash my hands at a basin. It's just something I didn't do. It sounds disgusting, but it was just something that was not on my radar. I didn't care. I would eat mm. food off the floor all the time. Yeah. You know, whatever. And like, anyway, I took like way more careful approach. I didn't get sick and I remember feeling like a million bucks thinking like, oh, this is amazing. And then when I got sick, you know, I got COVID or whatever. It was such a downer to feel that way and to mm-hmm. not feel in optimum in optimum shape and like a condition that you know just drove home again. Health is just so important. Um, yeah. It's just the basis of everything. You know, without your health, you really just struggle. Made me feel feel so much for the people that are out there dealing with like you know chronic conditions or things that really debilitate them like every single day of their lives. That's mm-hmm. really rough. So, I'm super, super, super grateful for my health, super grateful for my family's health. Um, and I'm also very grateful, incredibly grateful to hubboards and to the opportunities I've had. Like, um, I'm grateful to bodyboarding, you know, I'm super mm-hmm. grateful to bodyboarding for all the insane experience I had and will continue to have, you know, I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's over, but it's like uh, I'm grateful to have something in my life that. Is you know somewhat of a constant, um, yeah. something I just enjoy, something I something that I do, um, you know, for free every day, or some essentially do for free every day. But like you know, something that I would do even if I had a million other things going on, I would still try my best to do that because that's what I love. I'm just super grateful to have something like that, you know, something just, just pure, pure passion. Um, I think something you know so valuable. And, um, yeah, I just got, I also learned to really value just the things I have, you know, to be able to have lived out the lockdown, the various lockdowns I've had on this huge property where I can go, and I can run, you know, around, I can do like, you know, two or three miles around the property if I want, you know, and that's not even that many laps, you know, I have the space, I can climb the trees, I can go outside and lie in the grass, you know, just. <laughs> People spend that period in in a in a shoebox apartment and you know, everyone's reality is different, but I'm just super grateful for, became super grateful for my own uh, reality and the people in it, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it sounds like that's part of the thriving aspect to those kind of reestablished established values and, and stuff. I guess that's where you thrived.
1: Exactly. It made me take stock of this. I'm super grateful for 2020 for having made me take stock of everything I had and yeah. not necessarily be so focused on <clears throat> things that I wanted to or things that might be nice to have. Um, mm. But just, you know, learn to be more centered and grounded and just stop and look around you for a change, huh?
0: Yeah. Now that 2020 is behind us, um, you mentioned before that, you know, you one of the things to plan to do in 2021 is to kind of balance things out more and do a bit more work on the home and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just wondering, I, I had Jeff Hubbard on the on this podcast series a few days ago and, you know, he mentioned that, um, you know, he's been able to bodyboard a lot. He's been able to still do what he does. Um, and that kind of competitive interest is definitely still very much alive in him off the back of 2020, having this big break from it all. Um, is there any any movements in you to, you know, to feel like, you know, if things get together with the tour in 2021 or 2022, is there an interest for you to kind of get back into the competition jersey or has it just made you want to feel even better about walking away from competition?
1: Oh no, no, dude! I'm freaking yeah. Like I would, you know, if I, if, if things were different and my life wasn't what it is. Mm. Um, like take like family out of the equation, and everything. Yeah, I still have a lot, a lot of competitive drive. You know, I, I yeah. love that. I love competing. I love competing. Yeah. I love what it brings out in in people. I love the feeling of winning. I've been freaking miss, like sometimes miss the feeling of that. Pain that like sting, the demoralizing feeling of loss. Um, yeah, I love that stuff. So yeah, I mean, should I will definitely will 100 compete. Uh, you know, during over the next you know three four years or whatever at the events that I'm keen to compete in. 100. Uh, percent. Yeah, I know I won't do the whole tour. Like that's just definitely something that's not on the plate for me. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, you know just. Spending a whole year at home made me realize just how taxing it was leaving, coming back all the time. Not on me necessarily, but on my family. It was yeah. just something that I'm definitely definitely not willing to put them through again. But um yeah, going going away and doing like a front on comp or doing a Rika or freaking um you know, any other cool events that might pop back on tour. I was gonna do pipe if it happened. Uh yeah, it's not gonna happen sure. anymore, but uh, so yeah, dude, definitely super keen to compete and super keen to compete with like a different, a different mindset to it. You know, for so long I felt like it's just going to the like, okay, another continent. So right? I go there, do your best, whatever. There's still going to be three more that you can go in. It's kind of you know just well, just felt like it was on a a hamster wheel. You know, in yeah. some respect, in, in some way, where you know now the the thought of the first of all just thought of traveling to like Arika you know going to like that desert which Arika has never really been one of my favorite stops in tour but yeah just the thought of going there arriving in that city in the desert and competing at El Gringo just gets me so fired up (laughs) I'm dying for it to happen again you know and to bring like a whole different aspect like I feel you know I've been surfing here by myself for a year I feel like Mm. I've developed my surfing in so many different ways and I'm super keen to you know, playing competition. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely stoked to, uh, be, uh become a thing again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, just let me know which ones you go in. Cause I need to line those up. Cause I definitely still have to get another couple of shots at you. I can't really, I can't <laughs> live with four zero. zero right? yeah. I can't live. with four zero. It's just hurting too much. I thought, I thought Fronton was going to be the moment. I was like, okay, this is the, this is the one, this is the one I'm going to get
1: him at this one. But nah, didn't get it you've got you've got it you've got to take it off the pedestal right and you, and you just let it flow right it's, it's gonna happen right it's gonna happen all right i'll remember that next time we put on the jerseys together um
0: all right. the um the i did clarify though that i do beat you in time zones every day of the week so that's i'm i'm happy that you,
1: you do no, you you're you're winning right now bro you're
0: winning right now final question uh After everything you've been through, ups and downs and roundabouts, what's the one piece of advice you have for people listening to this right now who dealt with a year like 2021 and they may not have thrived, they may have just survived, what's your piece of advice for them? And maybe try and contextualize it. Like I had this question for Tanner yesterday and it just dawned on me as I was asking this question, like, this kid's 22. They just fucked around for twenty twenty and didn't you know they had a good time no matter what, you know. Like it's not like they had the pressure yeah, yeah. to Tana, you know, like contextualise it with your demographic. But what, what's yeah. your piece of advice for anyone listening to kind of take?
1: Um I think that at the end of the day, like the only thing you really have is you know, your immediate environment and the people around, you know. So What I would say is just value, place value on the people in your life. Um, Place value on whatever you have. Not like your material possessions, uh, but your health, your area you live in, um, the job you might have or not have, uh, the time you have, the freedom you have, the lack thereof, or whatever, you know, you uh, just, I guess, the the best advice i would say i try to do is just to be you know just in as centered as i could uh with where i was and and then i would say that you know just try and find something you're passionate about that doesn't necessarily depend on anyone else or any external uh, it's not a slave to any external forces and um you know make that a part of your life you know like to be honest, you know, I, for me, that's body um, or someone else, it could be anything else, but I think that definitely helped keep me sane. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the advice that I give is just, you know, be happy with what you have and, um, yeah, find your passion and make it a part of your daily life as best as you can. Everyone's situation is different, but if you can try and make that a part of your life and keep it there as a motivating factor, then I think that you're, you know, pretty much set to be as happy as one can be.